<laughs> okay, welcome, welcome, welcome to Compassion. We're glad to have everybody here tonight, today. Hey, in this series, This Is Us, we have been uh, trying to access some songs that are really popular in the culture right now that speak to some of the issues that families are facing, married couples are facing, relationships are facing. And uh, that song, Meet Me in the Middle, is about a couple that is just stressed out. And man, they need some time to get together and work stuff out. And the question in my mind is, why is it so hard for some of us to slow down and calm down so that we can actually meet each other in the middle? Now, I have a friend uh, who called me some time ago because he's facing a medical problem and he wanted me to pray for him. His doctors told him that he was not producing testosterone at the proper level. Uh, and this was related to a, a, an adrenal failure, uh, overworking adrenal system, which suggested that he may be suffering from adrenaline addiction. Now, adrenaline addiction is generally associated with people who have pace of life issues. Everybody say pace of life. And of course, I'm sure none of us have that issue, but there are people who do. There are people who work more than they should work. Uh, they push harder than they should push. They live out of balance longer than they should, and they generally do it as long as they can get away with it, which is the nature of all addictions. Amen? Now, his wife has been warning him for years that his pace of life is unsustainable, and he needs to do something about it, and now the doctors are telling him the same thing. Now he's got to. Now, my friend has intentionally chosen to live like he's on a treadmill, and he has set the speed two notches faster than is comfortable for him, and that's what he's chosen for normal. He's ignored the warnings of his wife and others that he loves, uh, you know, because he loves what he does. And, and honestly, what he does is important and it actually makes a difference in the world. But frankly, I wonder if he's just not hooked on how it feels to run 90 miles an hour with your hair on fire every day. And now his doctor is telling him, bro, your body keeps the score. Your body keeps the score, right? So now his health is being affected. His body's telling him something that he wouldn't hear from his wife, wouldn't hear from his Bible, wouldn't hear from his friends. And I don't think my buddy's alone. What do y'all think? I don't think so. Ironically, out of love for his people, God actually created a firewall against this kind of unsustainable, family-affecting pace of life in the Bible 4,000 years ago. Uh, all the way back in the days of Moses, God gave us some life-saving, family-saving, sanity-saving advice, and then he actually made it one of his top 10 commands in the Old Testament and showed us exactly what it looks like through the example of Jesus. And it's the practice of living with margin. Everybody say margin. margin. Everybody say margin like you mean it. Margin, <laughs> margin is uncommitted time. Uncommitted time that is factored into your life so you don't have to rush from one commitment to another all the time at an adrenaline-enhanced pace. Margin is a term that many use to describe uncommitted time in their lives, exactly like we learned in Financial Peace University just a couple months ago that in everybody's budget, there should be margin. There should be uncommitted dollars that you don't spend in your budget. You save that. It, it creates margin. Well... I think God would tell us we need to have some margin in our schedule. Now, I love being your pastor, 
And I think what we do here together is the most noble work in the world. But can I tell you what I've learned after running hard here for a long, long time? There is always something else that needs to be done, and there always will be. Anybody want to say amen? amen? Is that true of your job, or is that just me? Are y'all just my problem? Y'all don't have this problem? <laughs> you know, there is always something. I mean, how many times do you go to bed at night and go, done, got it, got it all. Woo, good day. I don't have days like that. Now, I'll bet that's not news to you. And, and if you're like me, you face the temptation of slamming your schedule full of good things every week. And if we continue to do that, we're going to end up paying for it like my buddy. And we're going to miss God's best for us in the process. Now, we're going to talk about this a little bit this week and a little bit next week. And next week, I'm going I'm to share some relationship hacks on how to, how to you know, spool this pace of life stuff down a little bit in your family and in your marriage and that. But today, I want to talk about this firewall that God created for every human being to enable us not to miss God's best for us, not to burn ourselves up. Uh, we're going to unpack the fourth of the Ten Commandments today, which is the longest of the Ten Commandments, and may be indicative of how uh, important this is to God. Friends, honoring this command is God's solution for a lot of the stress and the pressure and the over-revving that so many of us do, which makes us think, dude, I am just so busy. So turn with me in your Bible to Exodus chapter 20. Genesis, Exodus, second book in the Bible. Exodus chapter 20 is God's top 10. Uh, starts this chapter off, uh, well, not really starts it off, but in verse 8, we're going to read this command all together. Y'all ready? Big voice, here we go now. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. He goes on to say, on it you will not do any work. Not you, not your son, not your daughter, not your manservant, not your maidservant, employees, animals, alien within your gates. In six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth and the sea, and all that is in them. And then he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day, and he made it holy. Now, friends, there's some really good news and some really wise counsel for those of us who feel like, man, we are just so busy. And here's the first thing I want you to think about. You ought to be grateful that you've got God on your side. You ought to be grateful that God's on your side. I think this command may be one of the most incredible indicators of our Father's love for us. You know, normally when you work for somebody, they're not going to be encouraging you to slow down and rest regularly unless they are as interested in you as they are in what you do for them. And man, that's really rare. But in this command, God clearly articulates his interest in us and the quality of our lives. Friends, the fourth command introduces us to the word Sabbath. Sabbath does not mean Saturday, even though it does fall on Saturday. The Hebrew word Sabbath literally means rest. Everybody say rest. Stop. Everybody say stop. stop. Stand down. Everybody say stand down. This is a reference to resting from work for God. Now listen, our Father did not design us to work seven days a week, 52 weeks a year. God's plan is for us that we will live a healthy, predictable rhythm every week. And I want to give you a little background on this. You know, when the Ten Commandments were given to the Jewish people, they were just coming out of 400 years of Egyptian slavery. Now, we don't know, but if their masters in Egypt were wise, they knew that if you work 24-7 nonstop, productivity drops. And I doubt those slave masters were wise, 
And history tells us that they ground those Jewish slaves to dust, just working them day in, day out, every day of the week, 24-7, 365 days a year. Interestingly, the U.S. Army did a study. They observed a control group of soldiers in various conditions to determine at which stage those individuals achieved maximum levels of output, peak output, and when their contribution began to disintegrate. Now, the Army discovered that after seven consecutive days of hard work, every soldier's performance dropped. But the most interesting thing they discovered was that even though the soldier's performance level dropped, the soldiers were totally unaware of this. They thought they were still rolling at peak levels. Maybe this is why so many of us think we don't need to rest. Maybe we're just unaware of the negative impact of living without that healthy rhythm of hard work and regular rest. Maybe that's why some of us feel lazy when we take a break every now and then. Maybe we're just ignorant, ignorant of what the Bible says and what Jesus, the most effective man who ever lived, actually did regarding the rhythm of work and rest. And you know, farmers have always known this. Farmers know you can't work people but for so long, and then they start making expensive mistakes. They know that even the ground needs rest. Man, the Bible actually commanded the ancient Jewish people to let their fields lie dormant one year out of every seven. And in that year that the, the field was fallow, is what it was called, that inactivity restored the nutrients in the soil. Man, production just drops unless you regularly give the soil time to recover. I didn't realize this, but bowling pins last longer if you give them a rest. Can I hear an amen from all the bowlers out there? <laughs> yeah, I didn't realize that. This is why most bowling alleys have two sets of pins and they rotate every other week. Research has shown, shown that if the wooden pins don't rest, they lose their vitality and they don't bounce around as much when they get, get hit by a bowling ball. Now, I don't know about you, but sometimes I feel like a bowling pin, amen? And man, if you want to bounce back, you know, from the hits that life and work inevitably send our way, Man, God has taught us the way to build that resilience is to learn how to rest regularly. Now, look with me at Genesis chapter 2. I'm going to read verses 1 through 3. This is a reference to that fourth command. Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. Man, by the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. And God blessed the seventh day and he made it holy because on it he rested from all the work of creating that, all the work of creating that he had done. Now friends, God rested not because he was tired, but because he was setting an example for us. You don't really think God created the world in six days and went, what a week, wow, I am whipped. I gotta take a day off. He's omnipotent. He spoke the universe into existence. God never experienced his weariness in any way. He rested as an example for us. Man, in Genesis 2, God exemplifies its healthy rhythm of life where you work hard so you be productive and you rest regularly so you be productive for a long time. Now, I believe God gave us his command because he knew the temptation for us would be to pack our lives so full that our relationships and our bodies and our families would start breaking down. And in some ways, I think we're all kind of like kids. Have you ever watched a little kid try to stay awake when they just need to go to bed? You know what I'm talking about? I watched my son Garrett fall asleep face first into a burrito one time. I mean, boom. Now, he, he could have just laid down and went to bed, but he struggles with FOMO. You know what I'm talking about? Fear of missing out. And, and, and you know, I wish I thought we changed as we got older, 
but I don't think we do. I think some of us just keep over-revving and over-revving. And I think you ought to ask yourself why you do that. Because there's a reason. I think it's idolatry for some of us. I, th I think it's idolatry. We know that work nets money. And in some of us, it really does. And man, if that's where your treasure is, if that's where your heart is, if that's where you keep score, do you just keep revving and revving and revving? I think for some of us, it's insecurity. You know, we think that maybe if we get successful enough or work hard enough or pile it up enough, that man, at that point, some point, we'll feel that approval that we lack inside. And of course, sadly, stacking stuff up never provides that. Friends, only seeing yourself as the treasured child of the Most High God can fill you with that lasting sense of peace and security. And some of us think we can accomplish that by charging harder. And you're going to find out you can't. We, we charge without stopping to recharge. And man, that's bad business. Sometimes I think we obsess with work because of misdirected theology. We think that, you know, God wants us to just work ourselves. We struggle with missionaries with this. I mean, we missionaries on the field. When was the last time you took a vacation? I've never done that. When was the last time you took a day off? The devil doesn't take a day off. I'm like, well, the devil's not your example, is he? I mean, Jesus is. He took days off. And I mean, these guys just see so much need and, and they feel ashamed to take a break because nobody else can take a break. And we have, to, we have to help them get their theology straightened out. Sometimes I think it's such adrenaline addiction. We just, we just addicted the way it feels, man, when you're going wide open. But you know, most of the time, I think it's fear. I think it's just fear. I think it's fear that God will not take care of us. I think it's fear that we're going to miss something uh, that we have to seize for ourselves. But man, whatever the reason is, God is crystal clear. He loves us. He wants the best for us. And the best thing for us is to work hard and then stop and rest regularly. You know, in Psalm 23, uh, David said, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me. Everybody say makes me. Makes. He makes me lie down in green pastures. Man, that's what any loving father does with a child who doesn't understand he's got pace of life issues. Now, the point is this. God made the Sabbath. He made a day every week so that we could rest. That's why Jesus said the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. He wants us to be blessed. So, man, be grateful. You have a father who is for you. He created a, a rhythm that will bless you. Now, did you hear about the little boy who was watching his dad uh, on a Saturday morning? Dad takes out the briefcase, starts spreading out papers all over the kitchen table. And he says, Dad, what are you doing? And he said, well... I got so much work to do at my job, I didn't get it all done, so I have to bring some of it home. And the little boy said, Dad, when you go to work on Monday, why don't you ask them to move you to a slower group? <laughs> now, I think some of us would be wiser to move to a slower group. Now, to do that, we need to, we need to, set, we need to be wise and set a day aside. Now, look at this command. This comes from Exodus chapter 20, verse 10. This is the command about the Sabbath. On, on, on it, on your Sabbath day, whatever your Sabbath day is, you shall not do any work, uh, neither you nor your son or daughter or manservant or maidservant or animals or alien within your gate. Do this as a day of rest. Now, this is a command to everybody in the Old Testament. Be smart. Plan a day of rest every week. It's also a command to people in power. Listen, don't abuse the people who work for you. Don't abuse the people who work with you. Give them time to rest as well. And if you think about it, back in the day, dude, that was a revolutionary approach for society. <clears throat> you know, for people to think, I have a God that will take care of me, so I'm not going to work all the stinking time. You know, for somebody who is a, a, a slave master to start treating those slaves with compassion, 
You know, we're going to take care of ourselves and we're going to take care of everybody else as well. Dude, the Jews brought a level of compassion to the world because of this command that the world had never seen before. We're going to intentionally spool down once a week so that everybody in our, you know, molecule can be blessed. Man, in a world where everybody else is running hard 24-7, the people of God are going to do it different. We're going to honor the Lord and let the world see what life is like for people who trust the Lord. Man, think about the impact on your life of just setting a day aside for the Lord. I believe your family will be blessed. And you know, one of the blessings of this sabbatical principle is it reminds us that life is more than just work. Man, taking that day gives us time for our families. Do you know how kids spell love? T-I-M-E. Man, I believe that quality time with your family is the interest that you draw off of quantities of time. You cannot schedule quality time. You just have to provide margin for it. And when we get so caught up in our work, man, we're hardly home. I'm telling you, our children may do without us. And, and you know what? Because they love us, they'll try. But friends, when you ask your kids to just do without you because you're overscheduled and you're working too much, it's like asking your child to hold a rock. And you know what? They'll do it because they love you. And you've asked them to, and they'll suck it up. And this is the way our family does it. And yeah, and you just keep telling them, I'm coming home soon. I'll get this sorted out soon. We'll be back one day. Don't worry. Hey, one of these days, man, we're going to calm down. Everything's going to go. And they will hold it and hold it and hold it and hold it and hold it until they can't hold it anymore. And one day, it drops. And dude, when they drop it, their heart breaks and they give up hope on you. They give up hoping that you're actually going to be a part of their life. Now, friends, if we're not home enough to model by our presence, our family's going to learn what our real priorities are by our absence. And I'm telling you, one of the great things about honoring this principle is it puts us at home with our families so that we can teach them by our words and then we can teach them by our example and we can have those quantities of time that often turn into those priceless little moments of quality time. But not only will your family be blessed, ironically, I believe your business will be blessed. Man, this command calls us to trust God with our business. Man, to look out for people who work for us and with us. I'm so grateful for the business owners in our church who've chosen to make sure that everybody that works for them has a day a week to rest, a day for their family, a day to worship. This is one reason I really appreciate the Kathy family that owns Chick-fil-A. Uh, you know, the owners of that company are intense followers of Christ. They made a commitment to close their stores on Sunday so that their employees could have some time with their family and time to worship, and frankly, so their equipment could have some downtime. Now, on a day when the standard seems like every corporate decision is the bottom line, their decision to honor the Lord and close on Sunday was a gutsy, counterintuitive business decision. And God has blessed, blessed, blessed that. I remember talking about Chick-fil-A with the manager of one of the malls here in Savannah. He was my neighbor when I lived in Richmond Hill. And uh, he told me that Chick-fil-A had notified him that the mall here had overbilled them for air conditioning and they wanted a refund. And he's like, those guys know exactly how much air conditioning costs in every one of their stores and they calculated that we had overbilled them and when I had it checked, they were right. And then we got to talking about, you know, their closed on Sunday policy and, you know, how much they missed having Chick-fil-A open in the food court on Sundays and it's such a big draw and, and that was a down thing for the mall. And I was talking with him about it. He said, dude, they don't negotiate. They will not negotiate on that at all. And I said, dopey, you know, I guess there's some new malls that just reject Chick-fil-A because they won't play ball, right? 
He said, are you an idiot? Nobody says no to Chick-fil-A. He said, that store makes more money in six days a week than any food service store in the mall does in seven. But friends, even if it did cost them money, I still think they'd be blessed in other ways by honoring this Sabbath principle, and I think you will too. In addition, I believe your testimony will be stronger. You know, in Exodus 31, 13, God told Moses, say to the Israelites, you must observe my Sabbaths. This will be a sign between me and you for the generations to come. Who's that talk about? Us. So that you may know that I am the Lord who makes you holy. I heard Dan Cathy, who's the president of Chick-fil-A and a billionaire and a Georgia Southern grad. Amen. Yeah. I heard him speak at Atlanta Christian College uh, where I went to school a few years ago. And he said, that one of the drivers for their Sabbath, their Sabbath policy is the Christian testimony of their business. He said, you know what we love at Chick-fil-A? We love it on Sunday when little kids in a family that doesn't go to church, they won't go to Chick-fil-A. And they say, Dad, let's go to Chick-fil-A. And the dad who doesn't believe in God and doesn't go to church has to explain our theology to his kids. <laughs> he said, we love that. We got an unbelieving dad given our testimony to his kids. You know why they don't do that? They're Christians and they don't open on Sunday and blah, blah, blah. Now friends, when your friends see you in the neighborhood loading your family up to go to church every Wednesday night, every weekend, when they see your family involved in ministry together, when they see you prioritize worship and serving the Lord over secondary stuff, let me tell you, your testimony makes a difference too. In addition, I believe this rhythm of life causes your soul to be enlarged. You know, our, grand, our great-grandfathers called Sunday the Holy Sabbath. Our grandfathers called it the Sabbath day. Our daddies called it Sunday. We call it the weekend. For most people, it's just another day. Friends, for the Jewish people, they observed that Sabbath, and it wasn't just a rest from work. It was a rest for God. It was a time to honor the Lord and worship him. There are six days when you may work, but that seventh day is a Sabbath of rest, a day of sacred assembly. Man, you are not to do any work wherever you live. It is a Sabbath to the Lord. Man, for the Jewish people, the Sabbath was a day of sacred assembly. They committed that time to the God. And friends, this is one of the only, this is the only one of the Ten Commandments that is not repeated in the New Testament. But we do see this sabbatical principle all the way through the New Testament. You know, in the Old Testament, people worshiped on Saturday, the sixth day, to honor a completed creation. In the New Testament, Christians worshiped on Sunday, the first day of the week, to honor the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. But in both the Old Testament and the New Testament, we see people setting a day aside so that their family can worship every week. Now, last weekend, I spoke with a couple who are leaving our church. Uh, they're moving to another city. Uh, he's retiring from the army and they just want to tell me how much they love our church and how much our church has meant to their family and how great it's been to be a part of our church family and how Jesus has blessed them here. And man, he and his wife are both involved as volunteers and uh, their kids have just spiritually got lit up here, you know, and, and I just appreciated all those comments. But here's the truth. If that husband and wife had not honored the sabbatical priority of worshiping regularly every week, none of that spiritual traction would be real for their family today. And I'm telling you, man, just spending that time on the river or spending it at the beach or whatever is not the same, not for you and not for your family. And I love all y'all who are watching this online and I'm really thankful we're providing this for you. But that is not the same as you coming to a place of worship and rubbing shoulders with your brothers and sisters every week 
so that you can spend time as part of the body of Christ. Man, Gordon MacDonald wrote, leisure and amusement may be enjoyable, but they are to the private world of the individual like cotton candy is to the digestive system. They provide a momentary lift, but it will not last. Now, I'm not by any means critical of the pursuit of fun-filled moments, diversion, laughter, recreation. I'm just proposing that these alone will not restore the soul in the way that we crave. Although they may provide a sort of momentary rest for the body, they will not satisfy the deep need for rest within the private world. Now, friends, there are real strong reasons why God calls us to set a day aside for rest and worship and family. And man, when we honor him, he honors us. We need this. We were designed by God to be regularly recharged every week through a consistent day of worship and rest. And if God's people are going to set the pace and, and, and be an example, then I think we need to be intentional about living a balanced life. Now, <clears throat> when I started my ministry here at Compassion, uh, I made a commitment to take a day off every week. And it was Friday. Uh, and I committed myself to rest and relax and play with my kids and do something other than work. And for years, I, I kept that commitment. I was really faithful to that. And then as the church began to grow and the pace of ministry picked up, uh, I found myself struggling uh, with that commitment. And then we started Saturday night services, but it didn't last long. It only lasted for 17 years, all right? Uh, but we started our Saturday night services. And man, I, you know, that's, that's the day after Friday. Y'all know that? That's the day after Friday. And so I found myself, you know, working, you know, a little bit and then a half a day on my day off. And, and of course, that resulted in me having no sabbatical break at all many weeks. And, you know, I justified that. I justified that in all kind of creative ways that now I'm wondering if it wasn't just a lack of faith. Now, you know, we all know God expects us to tithe, you know, give us 10% of, give 10 of our income as a matter of trust. And when we trust him with that 10%, he promises to bless the 90% that remains. And so tithing is a matter of trust that God will work on our behalf. And I think the same principle applies to resting one day out of seven. Now, if you're somebody who thinks you've got to work seven days a week, you've got to answer every email, you've got to clean that email box out every stinking day, day off, Sunday, what, whatever. If you've got to go seven days a week, I'm just telling you, you are busier than God wants you to be. You're busier than God. I mean, we saw in Genesis chapter 2, God finished his work and drew a finish line and said, that's it. I'm going to rest from my work. I'm going to balance work and rest. And so, friends, if you're one of those people who's running wide open all the time, and this hurts, man, I want to encourage you to repent I want to encourage you to establish a rhythm of resting that the Bible says will bless every life, yours and mine. So how will we do that? I would encourage you to establish a daily rhythm of rest. Everybody say daily. daily. A daily rhythm of rest. Now question, is rest and refreshment a priority in your daily schedule? For example, the last time you came home and you just flopped down on the couch and lay there and watched television all the way through Jimmy Fallon, did that help? I mean, did you get up the next morning going, dude, I feel so refreshed and recharged. We binge watch TV all night and I just pumped me up. I love it. I doubt that. I wonder if we adopted the habit of starting the day with God and then ending the day with adequate sleep, if it would make a difference. 
I mean, if we got in the rhythm of starting each day with a quiet time, so I'm going to read a chapter out of God's Word, and I'm going to pray every day. First word I say is to the Lord. First word I hear is from the Lord. If you just made that like a protocol, I'm going to hear from God first, I'm going to speak to God first every day, and I'm going to be in bed by 10.30 every night so I can get seven or eight hours of sleep. Imagine the difference that might make if we had a daily rhythm of resting in God with kind of a daily quiet time and then resting for God by getting a proper amount of sleep so that we could run hard the next day. I believe just that simple rest would refresh and recharge us on a daily basis. Secondly, there's a weekly rhythm of priority. Everybody say weekly. A weekly rhythm of priority. Now, summertime is here. It's beautiful outside. This is why all the people up north want to move to Savannah. Amen. It's looking good outside, y'all. And you know what? A lot of us are going to be taking some time off. I took a week of vacation a couple of weeks ago. Loved it. Hope you will too. But friends, I hope you don't give the Lord the summer off. Man, you know what? Some people, some believers stiff-arm God, enjoying the creation instead of honoring the creator. And, and I just want to say to our whole Compassion family, thank you for being so consistent in your worship. I mean, most churches, if you check the data with these guys, they go through these terrible summer slumps when people just take the, the summer off from their faith. And that's just not the way it is here. I, I think it's, and, and I think it's because we see worship as a way to honor our Lord. And so, man, if you've got a vacation plan for this summer, great, man, way to go. While you're on vacation, go to church. If you go to a great church, steal all the information you can, bring it back to me. Love it, all right? Think of yourself as a secret agent for the Lord, right? But, bro, when you're in town, I want to encourage you to honor the spiritual priority that God is using to shape your family. Listen, our worship times challenge us to think about things that will never come up in the culture. You hear things at church you will not hear anywhere else. Every now and then you hear something at church that hits you and it changes everything. And it doesn't happen every week. But it does happen sometime. And, and if you're here, it happens with a lot more regularity. Man, our worship encourages us to celebrate and sing and be encouraged as a large group. Man, you have no idea the neurological blessing that can be to people, especially folks who are going through traumatic times. But man, when we're in a large group, man, we're worshiping together and there's a strength that comes from that that is just not available anywhere else any other time through the week. Abraham Herschel describes the reflective nature of the Sabbath rest this way. He says, it's a day on which we are called upon to share what is eternal in time to turn from the results of creation to the mystery of creation, from the world of creation to the creation of the world. Man, God has built into us a need for quiet time with him, time when we are away from the noise, and time when we can be still and rest and think about him every day, every week. Now, I know the temptation is to use this day to work and earn and get ready to work and get ready to earn but I'm telling you, man, there is a great blessing when you just stop and hit reset. Reset and rest and enjoy that blessing that comes because you give the Lord that time every day, every week. I want to encourage you to establish annual rhythms that produce good memories. Everybody say annual. Annual, annual rhythms that produce great memories. Now, I want to come back around to this vacation idea for a moment. And there's two kinds of ways to take a vacation. One way is where you save your money up and you go on a nice trip somewhere and you have a great old time somewhere else. The other, other way is I'm, I don't have enough money to do that and so I'm going to save my money up. We're going to do a staycation and we're going to do what everybody else does when they come to Savannah as tourists. We're just going to enjoy this city, all right? And you can do it either one of those ways, which is fine. But you know, all through the life of Jesus, we see him intentionally breaking away from the crowds and breaking away from what he did for a living 
for an extended period of time. And then when he would come back, he would be refreshed and pumped up and ready to hit it again. Now, I think that's a pattern we need to emulate if possible. And I think the most practical way for us to do that is through vacations or staycations, which I love for two reasons. When you take a few extended days off of vacation time, you break the rhythm of your life. And when you break that repetitive rhythm, man, it's refreshing. The other thing that is great about vacations is something weird will always happen that you will laugh about for the rest of your life. Amen? I mean, isn't it crazy how often you go on vacation and, you know, the limb fell through the top of the camper when we were at Myrtle Beach or, you know, the flat tire in the middle of the night, we drove all the way to Dallas. And we got these stories that we just tell and laugh about at our family because invariably on vacation, some crazy thing will happen that we just tell stories about for the rest of our lives. I remember one year, we had our whole family vacation down south and we went swimming with the dolphins, which is what, you know, we, the kids wanted to do. Sarah wanted to do it. So I'm like, all right, whatever, let's do it. So we swam with the dolphins. And the truth is, it was amazing. But this dolphin kept bumping the tummy of one of my daughters-in-law. And we're like, whoa, bro, I got my knife right here. Better back that fish off, you know. And I mean, it was, it was you know, one of those crazy things, big old fish bumping my daughter-in-law. We were all amazed. The trainer said, ah, it's nothing. Sometimes they do that. They're very friendly. Sometimes they do it just to be friendly. And then sometimes they do it if you're pregnant. Because they can hear the heartbeat of the baby and they come close to check it out. And Lindsay just laughed. And guess what? A few weeks later, we found out she was pregnant. And we tell that story about how a dolphin was the uh, you know, doctor that actually identified that little Harrison was on the way, man. And you know, vacations and staycations seem to provide us with memories like that. I read a book years ago by Lee Iacocca, back when he was the president of Chrysler Motor Company. Uh, he said occasionally an executive would come to him and say, Lee, man, I was so busy last year that I didn't even have time for a vacation. And of course, what he's waiting on Lee, you know, the CEO to give him some love, man. Way to go. Put the job first. Yeah. And Iacocca said, he wrote in his book, he said, I always thought, what an idiot. I mean, this guy's managing $50 million worth of business and can't schedule two weeks away with his family? What kind of leader is that? You know what the answer is? Marginless. Marginless. And that kind of disregard for a sabbatical rhythm is dangerous. Don't do it. Now, friends, these commitments build margin in our lives so that we can be faithful with our lives and avoid that feeling that we are so busy. Now, in his commentary on this text, Roy Honeycutt refers to the Old Testament practice as uh, pars protototo, which means the part standing for the whole. Now, according to his view, this view, offering the first fruits to the Lord back in the Old Testament was a way of saying the entire harvest is dedicated to you. Uh, dedicating your firstborn child to the Lord is symbolically demonstrating that all of our future offspring are going to be raised to honor and love you, Lord. Uh, giving the first tenth of your income to God is symbolically saying, Lord, all of our money, all of our material blessings come from you, belong to you. We're going to use them for you. And in the same way, friends, observing the Sabbath day is a recognition that all of one's days and all of our time is the Lord's, not just the seventh day. Now, I heard a story of some African tribesmen who were helping with a safari, and they pushed these guys, pushed them, pushed them, pushed them, pushed them for several days. They're trekking hard, and finally, the, the guys just sat down and stopped. And the leaders tried to get them up, let's get moving, and they refused. And the leaders said, what's the problem? They said, we're waiting on our souls to catch up to our bodies. And friends, our Lord's plan for work and rest is designed to make sure that you never have to hope your soul catches up to your body. So don't be like my friend. Don't, don't wait for the breakdown. 
We, we honor that sabbatical rhythm, man. We come to the Lord to replace the crazy busyness of our life with rest. And that creates kind of a baseline that we can build on. And we'll talk about that some next week. Father, thank you. Thank you for organizing life so that there is rest, so that we don't just charge all the time. Sometimes we stop. We feel good about stopping. We stop because you stopped. We rest, Lord, because you rested. Father, we're counter, you know, counter to the culture because you invented culture and you showed us how to do culture. And when our culture is wrong, Lord, we try to do it right. And I pray, God, that as followers of Jesus, the Lord, we will live with a sense of margin. We'll have time to read your word every day. We'll have time to pray every day. We'll have time set aside every week for worship and serving you. We'll have time every year when we gather our family and we do things, Lord, to create memories that will bless us, that we'll, you know, we'll be talking about at Thanksgiving and Christmas and we'll be talking about in the funeral home and we'll be talking about the blessing this has been to our life. But Father, it won't just happen. We know that. So bless us, Lord, as we follow your, your instructions and create margin, margin in our lives, margin in our schedule, margin in our time. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.